Hello, I'm Conrad Swift, and welcome to the Cardano Convo Podcast, a weekly podcast that gives a glimpse into the Cardano ecosystem. The Cardano Convo provides an easy-to-digest explanation of the projects that are being built, thoughts, and what's going on within the Cardano community. Today, I will be speaking with Alexander, the artist and programmer behind Unsig Algorithm NFTs. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. Hello, Alexander. It's nice to have you on the show, and thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and answer a few questions about the work you've been doing with Unsig NFTs. Thank you, Conward. Lovely to be here. Happy. So there are a couple of questions that I always ask. To begin, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, what drew you to crypto in general? Um, I, I guess my background is uh, uh, architecture, uh, buildings, not not IT. I have to disclaim that because most of the time when people hear architecture now, I think they think like IT architect or something, yeah. especially in a tech space. Um, while I was there, I, I kind of picked up programming through these little things called Arduinos, which are like embedded microcontrollers, for do- mostly for doing like interactive installation art and teaching elementary school kids how to like turn on and off an LED and yeah. different things like that with these little uh, circuits. But that was my first exposure to programming. And that got me into my uh, like first professional job in private industry after being a researcher of, uh, of like embedding IoT sensors in glass for basically turning facades of skyscrapers and buildings into these smart sensing surfaces. So wow. uh, that they could kind of detect like how much energy is around them and whether it's hot or cold and, and all this kind of stuff. But that'd be those little sensors would be laminated between two two sheets of glass, kind of like your windshield is a laminated glass yeah. kind of thing, right? Um, and then the, the trick of it was trying to get enough energy, uh, harvesting enough energy so that we didn't have to power those things because you don't want to like electrify the entire facade of a building. Oh, <laughs> That's yeah. Kind of a, a bad idea. Um, and so we were doing that. While I was there, I moved to India for three years because um, I, I started this collaboration with this other Indian company and I ended up getting a job over there rather than with my original company. Two years ago, I moved to Tokyo um, uh, for a new job. I kind of switched more explicitly into like software engineering and I started uh, doing like AIML training and development. But I think the the one thread through all of it is I've always had this kind of like a uh, rigorous design background where architects i think um really kind of like like to look at a problem tear it apart and figure out like what's the what, what's a symptom versus what's a cause yeah right and i don't like dealing with symptoms you were telling me a little bit about your background right like yeah i i i don't go to doctors very often i, I it's, it's, i'm not like an anti-vaxxer or anything but like i got, i just got so tired of like being told when i had like a fever like okay here, wait, right? Like, and, and my yeah. kids, whenever they get a fever or something like that, it's like, well, you can wait. We can treat the symptoms, and you, but you basically just have to wait. And I realized, oh, there's not a lot of things that can be cured, right? Like, it's just, uh, most of it is just like making you comfortable while you wait for something to, to pass. Or yeah, kind of thing. definitely for some of those diseases. And I feel yeah, no. because even being in health, a healthcare professional, I, <laughs> I don't like going to the doctor just as much as the next person. <laughs> I don't like dealing with that from that side yeah. either. So I get it. Yeah. I can't wait for my first colonoscopy. My friend was telling me I'm 35 now. He's like, you should probably go. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. But that, that that's me. I mean, so I, I've done a bunch of stuff. I'd say probably um, if I were to describe me in a word, I'd say like autodidact. Like I, I, I'm good at learning things myself. And um, 
ever since I was a kid, I've been kind of, I went to a little bit of Montessori schools for a while. And, you know, I think being taught how to learn and, and to be curious, uh, that, that's, that's proven very uh, important to my career path and, and who I am. And now, thanks to Cardano and Unsigned Algorithms, I'm, I wouldn't say retired, but I'm like uh, independent of, of what I, I gave my notice to my company. And my last day will be August 31st. So I'm super excited to start this kind of full-time Cardano thing. Nice. <laughs> so I'm not very well versed in algorithms mm. or artificial okay. intelligence. So would you be able to provide our audience a breakdown of what an unsig or an unsig NFT is, how it works, and why it's different from other kinds of NFTs? So so an algorithm, I think, is a Arabic word, which which I don't know the exact etymology, but it's something about like uh, procedures or steps. You could almost think of like a medical procedure as, in a way, an algorithm. You have an input, you do some kind of things to it, and then you have an output at the end, like some result. And yeah. so an unsigned algorithm, it's it's kind of a play on a few things. Um, let's let's take a step back. Most NFTs, almost all NFTs, uh, on Cardano until very very recently. Um, and even on Ethereum are basically like a little URL that is pointing to this thing called IPFS or AR weave. And those are, those things are like Google drive, like decentralized versions of Google drive or box or OneDrive, right? Like there's, they're kind of like a blockchain for uh, Dropbox, if that makes yeah. sense. Right. But the thing that's on chain is a little bit of uh, metadata that says you own that thing over there. If that makes sense, right? Yeah. But what 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 unsix it is like because I have kind of a in the in, in learning architecture exposed to a lot of like especially European art movements like the still this Dutch thing or yeah. uh, you know Dada and surrealism. You kind of learn about like what what the art world was doing at the time of different architectural things because they kind of heavily influence each other back and forth, and so. Uh, because I was kind of aware of that and because I went to a lot of museums as an undergrad, even before um, I was got into architecture and then continued to go to museums to see the actual buildings of the museum rather than the pieces in them. I, I kind of am aware of like what's going on in the art world and how stuff like that happens. And so when I saw NFTs, I got kind of uh, like, I think like a lot of people, I was like, what is this? Like, why are yeah. people paying for, you know, a bunch of JPEGs or whatever. Yeah, thousands so, of dollars for this like Atari art. Yeah, yeah. And so what I what I thought was like, well, um, I I remember when I was and just to be clear, an NFT the the way that I can describe it or a lot of people describe it, I think, uh, is kind of like a deed to a house. Yeah. Right. Like you're not actually buying the house. You're 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 buying the house, but the thing that's on chain is a deed to the house. And I did this funny thing um, when I bought a house that was funny to me, at least. I went to this like titling insurance in the States, mm -hmm. right? Like you're basically yeah. paying a company to verify that the person selling the property to you actually has the right to sell you the property. Yeah. And what you actually buy from them is an insurance policy that says if the titling insurance company is wrong and they didn't have the right to sell you the, company, the, the pro property, the title insurance company is on the hook for paying out you know, the couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever it was for your house. Right. Yeah. So just to be clear, that is a pretty big innovation for NFTs that you can know who owns something and you don't have to, you know, pay some other company to do all this research. So that that's a cool thing. But for yeah. me, what I wanted to do as an architect was to try to pull the house onto the chain and make it more explicit that it's not just a reference to something else that you're paying for, 
but the actual thing is there. And so um, because I'm familiar with programming and and a little bit of art, I decided like let's take this like Solowit, who's an American conceptual artist, and Mark Rothko, who's another like artist, and let's try to like kind of do something like that on chain. And and the advantage of that is that programming is basically just letters, right? Yeah. Uh, characters. And so if I could figure out a way of programming and making um, these visual kind of color fields that I was interested in making. I could represent all that a lot more efficiently than trying to put like a 4K or 8K image on chain. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it and have so, the yeah. values of the where it would be pointing in this example, the deed be representative yeah. of what the deed represents. Yeah. Well, kind of, I would say like a blueprint or sheet music. Like there's a question okay. like, where does Beethoven's fifth reside? Yeah. Is it in like the Philharmonic that's playing it? Probably not, right? Because that's a specific instantiation or copy of it or or a pharmaceutical recipe, right? Like a, what is, is it in a pill or is it in like the formulas that uh, for the compounds that make that thing? Yeah. Right. Like in that kind of like uh, pharmaceutical process that produces uh, pills. Right. And so for me, what, what's what's actually on chain with unsigned algorithms is um is the recipe and the code for generating the thing. We still have an IPFS link to an image, but what's unique about our thing is I have a design in the schema, which other people have independently found out without me talking about it, just by looking at their metadata on the transaction. Yeah. And you can um, recreate your unsig from basically the instructions and the code that is stored on chain. And other, and other people have done that. And the other advantage of that is like, Right now, we include it as like I think like as a 4K resolution, but you can arbitrarily make your unsig at any resolution that you have RAM for. So I think the highest that I've made is 16,384 by that same number, right? Like a yeah. 16K image. And so as as displays get better, as technology improves, you can you can imagine these things not being stuck as like Atari 8-bit yeah. <laughs> or you know little uh, blocky things. Like they they can grow with you kind of thing and and uh, yeah, that, that's the basic idea is that by by bringing, by representing, um, figuring out what you can do with programming to generate like visually interesting or artistic kind of inquiries, it's, it's kind of like a blockchain native medium. And so I, I think that is kind of the interesting thing for me because I, the, the whole point of the project is to say, if photography was an art form or if painting was an art form and then photography came along and that changed painting because like painting is no longer carrying the weight of like, we have to objectively reproduce, you know, uh, accurate depiction of people. Yeah. And that really allowed like modernism and Picasso and that kind of thing to happen. Then what it's, it's, it's fine and dandy to try to put existing art forms on chain and put use deeds to them. But I'm more interested in, what would it look like if we were to come up with a, or try to think about what is a blockchain native art form, right? Okay. Like what is, yeah. what is the, what is, how, how do you use this as a medium and not just as a container? My tagline on Twitter is from container to medium, right? A container is a box that you put things in. A medium in artistic parlance is like a unique form of expression that people try to, you know, uh, play with in order to come up with like 
to reveal truths about human existence or whatever it yeah. is that art does, right? So yeah, whether that, it be sorry, charcoal, that was not a very yeah exactly oh, no, right? charcoal water paint or water based paints, all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. oil painting, right? So and exactly what you're saying. That's enlightening too. I didn't know what that meant on your Twitter, but oh, that's okay. highly enlightening for that. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Unsig project, there are multiple blockchain projects that allow for NFTs to be created and distributed. What made mm-hmm. you decide to build it on Cardano? Uh, well, I came into Cardano, I think, last year in maybe April or, or um, May, springtime of early last year, basically COVID times, right? And I had been trying to learn Haskell for a couple of years, which is the programming language that Cardano was built in. Uh, and I, I think Haskell is a beautiful language and I, I love it. And I kept seeing this Cardano thing popping up in, a, in the Haskell subreddit. And so I started to do some digging and um, actually Cardano answered a lot of things for me, which caused me to leave blockchains. The first, the second time I did Bitcoin was in like 2013 when it was going from a hundred to a thousand dollars. I decided to mine Bitcoin with my friend. We spent like $5,000 in GPUs and we started mining Bitcoin. We mined like 15 to 25 Bitcoin and I got really uninterested in Bitcoin when uh, things like FPGAs and ASICs started to come online, which are these like what allow these industrial scale mining farms to happen. Yeah. Because an, a- an ASIC is basically software written in hardware. So it's rather, if a CPU can run, you know, Excel or Photoshop or play videos and a GPU can kind of like draw and color triangles on a screen and now do other kinds of mathematical calculations for AI. An ASIC is like a program. It's like a uh, thing that you double click on your computer, but only that program is written into silicon. Yeah. So it, it only hashes, you know, doing Bitcoin hash kind of thing. Yeah, and so, an application specific. CPU. Exactly. Yeah. Applic- application specific integrated service. Yeah. Perfect. So it just does that. And and the, the thing about that, you know, Charles, I think, has talked about this at length, so we don't have to do it so much, but yeah. like, you basically design that you have some IP for that. And if you, if you know how to do that better, you have an advantage over everyone else who's trying to mine Bitcoin. And so like I saw the writing on the wall that there were going to be these like massive, uh, I didn't know that they would be Chinese, but like there would be the centralization of power in the hash rate of Bitcoin. And so I noped out of crypto around 2013 or something like that. Uh, and, and at the time proof of stake was like, being discussed on like bitcointalk.org or whatever and these different forums uh, along with colored coins and different things. Um, but it was, it took a lot longer than I expected. Like every couple of years I check in, like is proof of stake around or is it, is it yeah. viable? And um, it wasn't. And so I was really excited when I saw there's this pro, there's a blockchain being written Haskell. It's proof of stake. Uh, you know, tell me more. Right. So I became very interested in Cardano and then to kind of close the loop or try to answer, you know, this collection kind of could only exist on Cardano in a way because I was selling them for around like 50 US dollars, right? $16 at first. And then you know, I'm, I'm using fiat equivalents because yeah. I'm about to talk about Ethereum, but I couldn't have sold them for 16 or $50 each if I was minting them on Ethereum because it would have cost me, you know, 75 to 100 bucks yeah. to mint each one. The right? gas fees are insane. And so I, I, I mean, there's no way I could have done that, um, and and sold them at that price level because I would have been losing money on everyone. And instead, it cost me, you know, like twenty to thirty cents per per NFT to mint it. 
0.17 ADA. And I think that even if you're not interested in NFTs, um, which I don't blame you for, like that, that's anyone's right. What you should, what everyone in the Cardano community should be really excited about is seeing the potential for what low transaction fees and allow you to do, right? Because yeah. you're just going to see everything be like 10 times or 100 times larger on Cardano because, you know, people aren't worried about um, paying this, this, this fixed cost of 50 to 100 bucks a chunk every time they do something on the network. And so that's what allowed us to pull everything on chain, right? And, and, and try to do things that way. So, yeah. Yeah, and along with the ERC-20 converter they're working on, I imagine the platform is just going to get bigger because when you have the option between, I could have Chainlink on the Ethereum blockchain and pay anywhere between 10 to like $40 per transaction, or yeah. I can do one transfer, move all my Chainlink through the ERC-20 converter and pay anytime I do a transaction afterwards, like 20 cents, and since they're working on the stable fees, then yeah. 20 years down the line, let's say... Cardano goes to 100. Of course, we don't know what the price will be, but let's no. just say... But it, it could be changed. Yeah. If we get to like an Ethereum level, like it mm -hmm. jumps up. I mean, Ethereum was a dollar and then gets mm -hmm. to a couple thousand. That fraction of Ethereum becomes a lot of fiat. So mm -hmm. I, I do agree. It's just more viable. It's Yeah. And, and it's, it basically has to do with like the second law of thermodynamics, right? Like if you're running on GPUs using electricity to power your network, you will always cost more than someone who's able to just basically use game theory to decide who mints the next block rather yeah. than, you know, entropy and math, right? Because uh, it's, it's, it's that, that's what's so amazing to me. I, like I said, I used to, <laughs> I was a grad student in a, graduate family, student housing. And uh, I had free power, which is part of the reason I was mining Bitcoin back in 2013. So I was using like 5,000 to 6,000 watts of electricity, right? Powering yeah. um, all these GPUs and that, that, that made it like pure profit kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I lived in, uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and I could, in the middle of winter, I had the windows open in this one room of, of, the, of the townhouse with a box fan pulling in like, you know, like 10 degree uh, outside air. And yeah. I could like walk in in a bathrobe or, or, or you know, commando or whatever in the morning with a cup <laughs> of coffee, inspect my Bitcoin mining yeah. farm and like be okay, right? Like, yeah. you know, I, I put a towel under the door and, and uh, some kind of foam insulation onto the door to, to try to create like a little separate zone inside my house of like yeah. whatever. But there was like a 6,000 watt space heater in that room that was just like crazy. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, the great swim swim team, by the way. Um, oh yeah, yeah. My 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 friend, my Russian friend at a dinner party. She uh, what was it? She told me the story back in the Beijing Olympics that this tall gangly kid came up to her and it's like, I need to take. I, I'm going to miss the final because uh, I have a a thing. And she's like, No, you can't miss. It. Maybe it was a midterm. I forget what. Right. But yeah. I, I need to miss it. And she's like, No, you got to take it. And he's like, Well, I can't. And then you know, two or three weeks later, she's watching the Olympics and she's like. Did Michael Phelps just go? Was that, 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 yeah. that was Michael Phelps, and that was the time that he won, exactly, you know, eight yeah. or whatever gold medals, right? She's oh like, yeah, oh, maybe he has a reason for missing the. Maybe, uh, maybe the it's mentor. a viable reason. We'll, we'll do him something. So, that, so was, that was quite funny. I know we've you've talked about it just a little bit, but I've seen the artworks generated by the unsigned mm -hmm. algorithm, and they mm -hmm. are very cool. They have a lot of vibrant color schemes, interesting shapes. 
Um, from your website, I learned, I learned that these artworks have parameters called properties, such as color, mm -hmm. rotation, etc. Would you mm -hmm. elaborate on how these and or could you elaborate on these and what they are and how they determine the look of the NFT? Okay. So, so the first thing is is that an unsig or or any image on your computer is just comprised of like three Excel sheets of red, green, and blue. And each cell of that you know, sheet is basically telling you how intense the red or the green or blue should be at that pixel location. So um, color is, is the first kind of fundamental building block. Uh, and primary colors, primary additive colors of, of, of light are the first fundamental building blocks of unsigs. And so every pixel location is basically generating a value between 0 and 255. That's an 8-bit mm -hmm. number. Yeah. Um, if you've ever played around in Photoshop or something like that, you probably see these selectors. Like, this is why uh, they do that. And and through the combinations of red, green, and blue, you can hit, like, any color that that um, we are able to perceive, basically. So the, the next thing is this other building block of, of the distribution. This is not really so important, but... Um, most of the properties that you see in, in the UNSIG world are these what are called CDF or cumulative distributions. And it's actually the one on the right, this kind of S curve, uh, yeah. which is actually built from the curve on the left, which is a normal distribution or bell curve. Uh, and the re I, it doesn't really matter what these are. I wanted a, a profile or a curve of something that was very strong to very like uh, off, let's say, with a, a gentle shoulder or, or kind of toe in that right so that when yeah. i started to to mix them together and stack them on top of each other they'd kind of blend beautifully right rather than having like a a, a, a just a box of red or a box of green or a box of blue that then stacked up, up on top of each other by doing it this way that you get all these kind of uh, very um beautiful kind of blends and yeah. on the on the next thing we take that that previous thing all of these kind of start to build on each other and we start to add in rotation to it Right. So on the right hand side, you can see uh, at the bottom a zero degree rotation for a cumulative is just showing this like wash from left to right. If you rotate that 90 degrees counterclockwise, it goes from bottom to top, 180 is from right to left, and 270 is from top to bottom. These are, th this is kind of the basic idea. Um, if you look at the normal distribution, we don't have 180 or 270 because those would be the same as zero and 180, respectively. Yeah. Right. Like it would get back to that space. And so, but but the only difference is is on these normal distribution. It's from the middle out or from the middle up, right? Kind of thing. Yeah. And so so that's that. And the last thing that you kind of need to understand is um, this is going to be a little bit tricky, uh, but. Uh, the way I usually use to explain unsigned integers, these are a kind of number on a computer. And maybe the, the first thing to explain is an integer, right, is just a whole number, right? One, two, and yeah. three. Correct. A floating point number is like 1.7 or, or, you know, a decimal number. And these are represented differently in a computer. An unsigned integer is normally when you deal with integers, like if you're, you'd, you'd say like from negative... 64 to positive 63 or, or forget about it. negative 64 to positive 64 we're using half of our memory for the positive space and half of our memory to for the negative space but yeah. in a lot of applications you don't really need negative numbers so rather than wasting half of your memory uh space on a negative number mm -hmm. you can just use it all in the positive direction and that's yeah. called unsigned like you're not you, you, when you have an unsigned integer, you're not using any memory to keep track of negative things because 
you're you're only counting up or so, incrementing, right? So it saves space by not using negative. That's why it's unsigned. Meaning you, there is no sign to it, no negative yeah, sign. It exactly. Have, We're just not tracking it's it, right? Just like, an absolute value. Yeah, exactly. And, and and you could use an unsigned integer to represent only negative numbers, but it, the, the point is like, yeah, you'd have to keep track of that mentally in your head that oh, we keep counting down, right? Um, Correct. and so yeah. the tricky thing about uh, actually any number, not just un- but in this application is um what happens is kind of like programming 101 if you if in in this example on the screen uh, uh it goes from 0 to 15 right uh so if you try to add uh, i i usually walk this through but we'll just we'll stay it here in the blue we say what's 2 plus 2 conward 4 <laughs> right and and so that that's a normal integer space and unsigned space we're fine but 10 plus 10 in this in this, you know, zero to 15 uh, unsigned integer space is not 20. It's actually uh, four. And I, I kind of diagram this out with these little arrows, right? If you, the, if you add five to 10, you get to 15. When you add six, you get back to zero. It rolls over basically. And so the, 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 the quicker way of describing this is like Neo in the train station in one of the matrix sequels, yeah. right? Like you run out one side and you end up back at the other. Yeah. And so... That is actually this. Th- this was a very happy accident that happened um, while I was making, while I was playing around with it. Actually, all of the unsigs originally were just color fields of you know these subtle, very similar to Mark Rothko, this American painter, just like blocks of color blending into each other, right? Yeah. And and while I was messing around with it, I had this happy accident where this like suddenly there was this like black streak on the screen. And I was like, huh, it, it didn't look like a, an unsig does, but it kind of did in a way, a, a very pixelated and, and different. Thing. And I tried to figure out what was going on. And I figured, oh, I didn't declare the type of my variable because Python is like a dynamic programming. Like you can change the types and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so I decided, I wonder if I can actually use that to do something interesting. And so like any any good artist like starts to to to, to mess around with their medium a bit, like you do things like you're not supposed to do that right is a yeah. is you're taught when you're painting but if you if you start to get control of something and you can figure out how to use something that is normally a disadvantage to your advantage mm-hmm. i thought that was a very interesting kind of move to make and so even though there's all these other properties i decided this 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 aspect of it is deserved to be in the name of the project right so the unsigned algorithm again unsigned can be is partly a reference to this kind of integers which are unsigned integers which are used to generate a lot of the interesting black lines and geometry that occur throughout the collection yeah it's also a kind of cryptograph uh, cryptography play right like you sign messages on a blockchain you're you're submitting things yeah and also maybe just like an artistic ego thing like you know like you usually sign a painting or something to indicate that it's meaningful and valuable to you right so there's this kind of like anonymous whatever kind of undercurrent or or lack of self that that i thought was you know an interesting kind of uh, I, I like plays on words and and layers to things so the unsigned algorithm project is is that right and then finally uh, i think i'll go into present mode for this right if we how does this all work out if you start with a six by six array of um sorry i'm going through an animation now you're not you're not seeing this but uh it's it's um on on the if you look at the slide uh and you put it in presentation mode for stacking mm-hmm. um number one is six by six array right it's just a cell of, of six things and then if you hit next, you see cumulative blue comes in. So we've basically drawn an S-curve in 
from black to blue in this little field, right, of, yeah. of properties. We advance one more. We, we add in another cumulative green, but it's rotated 90 degrees. So the green is at the front edge, right, kind of coming towards us. Mm -hmm. And then if we go one more, we add in two and three together. You can see these white lines and black lines start to go down to show like we're, we're going to smash the green onto the blue, right? Yeah. And if you go to the last slide uh, or second to last slide, you'll start to see, oh, you see these green and the, this. Uh, actually, we, we can walk through this. The back left corner is black because it was black in the green. It was black in the blue. So when you add black to black, it's just black, right? Yeah, of course. And the front left corner of the upper one is bright green, but the front left corner of the blue one is black. So green plus black is just green. Yeah. Right. And and the back right corner of the blue one is the same. It's just blue. But the front right corner is this kind of cyan color. Right. Do, do you see that? Yeah. And so that's because fully green plus fully dark blue gets you to the cyan space. Yeah. So what we're doing when we talk about these all these properties is we're basically smash where we're, we have each individual one and we start to add them together. But when they overflow beyond that zero to 255 space in red, green, or blue, they start back over again. And okay. that's what creates these, these, these bands or these diagonal lines or these straight lines throughout the collection. If, if, if we weren't doing that, the entire collection would just be these smooth gradients of, of what the community has started to call no liners right yeah. which which are quite valuable actually some of them have gone for thousands of ada now right uh, yeah. because they are uh, a little bit interesting so that that's kind of what's going on with, with the combinations and properties and uh, there there's actually people in the discord who are like trying to unpack and analyze all these different possibilities of the 31119 unsigned algorithms that are that make up the collection, right? And so yeah. there's a lot of interesting work being done. They're trying to come up with like a taxonomy and and like naming uh, schema, like to, a categorizing to, to way of going. Yeah, about exactly, it. exactly, right? Kingdom, phylum, yeah. king, phil, eats, whatever, whatever. I don't know. Some <laughs> giant Venn diagram for yeah, yeah, unsigs. Yeah. Um, the, the, exactly, the set of this set of this set. So with this, I know it's more randomly generated than like specifically drawn out. Um, like I, I'm going gonna, gonna to stop you there, actually. Oh. Nothing about the collection is randomly generated. And, and may, maybe it's a, a technical thing because yeah. like, uh, the reason there's 31,119 is because I didn't want to have a randomly gener generated set. right? So, so I would say it's a completely generated set right? because we take all yeah. the different combinations and we iterate over every single combination that is there. Whereas random would be like, let's take a, let's, let's roll the dice. It could be red. It could be green. It could be blue. Like every combination exists within the, the, the whole set. Right. I filter down um, the, the total set of unsigned algorithms is something like 50 million individual pieces. I, I then set a, a bunch of rules, which basically restricts what is a valid unsig that would would have been minted onto the blockchain. Yeah. And so we end up with 31 million, but but those rules are very kind of precise and not random, right? So like when when you look that that that's actually important to me because people had a lot of questions like why did you release 31,000 of these things, right? Like a normal NFT collection is 10,000. Like what why are you stupid? And like how why do you think you can sell out? 31,000, you know, JPEGs on chain. Yeah. One, they're not JPEGs on chain. And two, um, 
the, the, the reason was like, I could have randomly selected 10,000 of these things that were valid, right? And just minted them. But for mm-hmm. me, it's a color study of like, what are the different ways of combining and adding and, and, and you know, messing around with color. And I wanted the collection to be like a complete thing. Does that make sense? Right. Like yeah. I wanted from A to Z and I didn't want to have some some letters missing kind of thing. Oh, no, and I so, completely understand. So, so, so that that's why I mean, it's it's not your fault at all. Like, but uh, it's it's it is not random and people kind of confuse it for it. it, it I, I definitely view it as kind of like um, a study that that normally if you were to do it manually would take, you know, years and years of painting to to generate, you know, you know, like five of these things or whatever. Right. But through the power of programming and computation, like you can kind of compress all that down into, okay, once I figured out the the data structures and the way of doing it, you know, the computer can run off and and make, you know, as many of these as I, as I request of it. Okay. Um, (laughs) what made you decide on certain properties? Like I, I don't know a whole mm. lot about programming, but I imagine yeah. there are hundreds of ways one could have done this. What made you decide we'll pick, we'll stick with colors, we'll stick with the variables that you've stuck with, um, mm. different properties. What made yeah. what came so, to so, that end? I mean, uh, you can represent almost anything through programming, right? Yeah. Um, and and so I can give you kind of one example is is some of the I think one thing we didn't talk about are the multipliers which kind of comes in the unsigned integer portion, but I decided to include 0.5 multipliers because that would give me, uh, instead of going from zero to 255 in that color range, it would go from zero to 128, which if you add that into other kind of things, what it results in is like more subtle color shades occurring. Mm-hmm. Because if you if you add in primary colors together, you only get like red, green, and blue and these like cyan, yellow, magenta like these very kind of strong and bold colors, right? Yeah. And so by understanding how color works a little bit from my photography days and, and my, you know, uh, artistic whatever endeavor days, if, you, if, you're, if you're mixing, you know, like a not as strong color with a stronger color, you get this like secondary or tertiary kind of like a, a more subtle kind of effect. And so I wanted, when I, when I was playing around with this um, and, and trying to figure out what the collection would be, it was... There were like 83, I think is when I stopped, iterations of unsigned algorithms where I was adding in different things and taking out different things and playing with it and seeing what was was the result. And, uh, you know, my hard drive space was very filling up with with all these different things (laughs) and and trying to make, you know, judgments about. Sometimes people don't really understand. They're like, it's very simple. The code is, you know, only like six. I, I say it's like, I think the code is something like 80 lines on chain and like, 10 to 20 of those lines are empty returns just for like formatting to make it like easier to read yeah. like 60 lines. And so they're like, you know, it's, you say it's an advanced algorithm, but it's not advanced. And I'm like, well, the advanced part of it is, is, is trying to figure out how to get like the maximum amount of differentiation or complexity from the simplest amount of inputs. Yeah. Right. Like anyone can make something complex using complex parts. Right. Like I, when I was in R and D, we were doing a lot of optical studies and this one guy in the, in the, in the lab spent like $8,000 making a table, you know, out of the, uh, Misumi aluminum extrusions and like all this, like if you've ever worked, uh, in a, like in a, in a lab, they, they have these very sturdy tables, yeah. for, you know, like kind of thing. And, you know, he was so proud that he built like a sturdy table using $8,000. And, and one of the, the other guys in the lab was like, you know, 
it's not beautiful to spend a lot of money to make something strong. It's beautiful to spend a little bit of money and get, you know, 90% of that result with, with 20% of the input. Oh yeah. Sometimes simplicity can be the most beautiful thing because what you're talking about reminds me if we're going to go into a quick story time of a toothpaste, toothpaste factory that they had a problem Mm -hmm. because sometimes a customer would buy a box and it would be empty. So they Mm -hmm. hired a bunch of engineers to make like a weighted like system. So if something Mm -hmm. came on to the, like on the assembly line, it would make Mm -hmm. a loud beep that annoyed most of the workers. So what one did because one of the workers who's not an engineer got tired of hearing that Mm -hmm. beep, just set the fan next to it. So it would blow (laughs) the empty boxes off. Like you don't need a fancy expensive system. The beauty sometimes is in the simplicity of it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and, and anyone who studied physics or mathematics or, you know, like removing terms is a good thing. Right. And, yeah. and like having a more concise, like that's called that's almost literally like the definition of elegance or beauty. And yeah. same same thing here. Right. Is like how I think it's kind of amazing that that you can get all the different kinds of unsigs from this very, very like if you unpack it, quite simple ingredients. Right. And it's just through their layering or stacking to end up in this kind of complex space that people have taken a lot of interest in. So yeah, that, that I, I, I'm, I'm definitely a, I mean, and I'm also, I studied architecture. So like minimalism and like, yeah. uh, we, we have a saying, we have a few things in architecture, like um, form follows function, right? Like you shouldn't decorate something unnecessarily. Like it should be, it should represent what it is. Another more aggressive version of that is ornament is crime. Yeah. Like, you know, like wallpaper or crown molding, like these don't have a function, kill them. And the person who puts them on is like uh, committing uh, uh, something horrible or whatever. Right. So I, 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 I'm more in that camp than in the other. So yeah, mini tangent there. Oh no, it's all good. Um, these are great questions, by the way. Oh, I, I, I don't know, Conward, you, you, you've, you've prepared, like you usually when I was doing YouTube, you know, like I think we, a lot of people, including myself, use it as an excuse, like, let's just have a conversation and see where it goes. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's really like just me being lazy and like, uh, <laughs> you know, like hoping that I minimize the amount of work that I have to do and just see, hope that it's interesting. But it's great yeah. to see someone as uh, prepared as you. Oh, thanks. Um, in regards to your unsigs, um, mm-hmm. there's unsig, it's with five zero. So zero, 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 zero. Patrick Tobler, who, I believe is your business partner tweeted. This is the most important Cardano NFT of all time. And CNFT history has been made. I think I mm-hmm. understand what he means, but for the audience, could you explain why that specific unsig is so important or how it could be seen as so important? Yeah, sure. So this was that kind of like flourished towards the end of the project when I was working on it. And, and just to clarify the relationship, uh, Pat Patrick is the maker of NFT maker.io. There's a hyphen yeah. between NFT and maker. And he, uh, we're not business partners or anything, but um, he, he did help me release the collection basically. Yeah, right. He, he did the website and he did the, uh, uh, the Cardano node integration, kind of like a stake pool operator, but he has this little bit of software that's like basically monitoring a website. So that when someone clicks this buy button, um, it makes, you know, like, and they send money to an address. We're watching that wallet or he's watching that wallet to see, did the ADA come in? If it came in, now go mint an NFT on using the Cardano node and everything and then send it back to that person. Right. So he handled that side of the thing. Um, What I did was the art and, and also what we're about to talk about, which is 
the actual like metadata, like what is an unsigned algorithm on Cardano, right? Yeah. So um, the 0000 is a very interesting thing to my mind because one of the other first things you learn in programming is like if you're copying and pasting, you're doing something wrong. Because the, the, the reason for that is like when what you what, what is usually, you know, preferred over that is write a little function that rather than copying and pasting like the same code into another place in your application, if you write a little function, what you can do is you can call that function from another place. Yeah. And then what are the advantages of that? Well, if let's say you need to change that, the code in that function at some place because you updated or something. If you were copying and pasting all around, you have to go and find all the places you, you did that. Every single one, yeah. Right? And update like eight different, and maybe you forgot one and then you have a bug, right? But if you if you wrap that all up in a function, you only have to make, you know, change it once and then everywhere that function is called is going to get back the same uh, kind of result. So there's that idea. And so what I did is rather than having 31,118, because without the 000, that's how many unsigs there were, rather than having the same code, appear that many times on chain and like basically clogging the chain. Yeah. I instead I decided let's make a separate uh NFT which is an unsig but it doesn't have any properties. So it produces this black image, right? Yeah. <laughs> and let's put all this code in that one and in every other unsig let's point to the transaction ID of the 000 and give the the thing uh, uh the, the keys it needs to traverse over the data structure of the 000 and get to the code which they need. So all of the unsigs basically have a pointer back to this, this first unsig that was minted, the 000. And they, how do you say? Um, they, they basically, that saves us, you know, like 30,000, 31,000 times, you know, 80 lines appearing on the Cardano blockchain redundantly. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's, it's a kind of like a, a nice little thing like as out of respect to the Cardano blockchain to not like, you know, fill it with my my uh, dirty laundry or whatever, right? Like to, to think of a better way of doing that. Um, and and so it also kind of makes explicit. It also contains a few other things, but but that, that that's the main reason, right? Is that it, it it's it's kind of like a very high level abstraction of, oh, this is the thing which is really like the factory for all the other ones and the other ones have basically the ingredients you need to pass into that factory to get their result. Yeah. Right. So, so all the, all the properties that we were just talking about, that's in each, that's minted into each unsig, but you basically take that as an input and you pass it through the code stored in the zero, 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 and you get the resulting output, which is, you know, at unsig 5,732 or, or whatever. Yeah. Unsig. Yeah. Right. So, so if we went to the programming version, so the programming mm -hmm. version, as you said, it's just, it's like calling a function, like the yep. <clears throat> the quintuple zero unsig yep. is the function that is you're function. calling each time. Or yep, for those exactly. of us who aren't as program, like as yep. program knowledgeable, mm -hmm. it's like the father to all the other and yeah, like unsigs. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bunch of great memes of, you know, like <laughs> Darth Vader or whatever the, the unsig <laughs> yeah. community has made, right? Like, uh, and like, you know, a little bit of Stanley Kubrick kind of thing. Like there's this uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, the black monolith that comes down, right? Yeah. And it's, it's just like the ultimate form of minimalism, right? It's like this like unadulterated black, you know, like, uh, you know, thing. And so it, it's, it's, it's been crazy. Uh, the guy who got this 
Um, it has been really interesting, and he's doing a bunch of stuff with it to, you know, like unsigs in the wild, kind of photoshopping unsigs in, into different city I've seen those. environments, right? Yeah. But uh, it's kind of amazing. I think he he's turned down offers so far of like thirty thousand ADA for this uh, one black unsig, right? Wow. And so it 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 is kind of like uh, not a focal point, but like uh, what would you call it? like a fulcrum of the connect of the uh, of the collection, right? Like. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a pivotal kind of piece, which allows everything else to exist. And so it has a lot of like sentimental or emotional value to people who like the project. And so um, it's, 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 it's a different kind of thing. And so um, I, I, I started thinking about this architecturally. We, we talk a lot in, in modern architecture about the difference between like load bearing walls and columns. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, a lot of modern buildings, when, when things were made out of bricks and stone, like every wall was a load bearing wall, right? Yeah. And you, like it had to carry the weight, like you couldn't like just have something floating. But but nowadays you have a lot of partition walls and these kind of things which demarcate space, but they don't actually carry load. Yeah. And, and, and the other kind of interesting part about that is you have these glass facades, which I was working on, right? Mm-hmm. And glass facades can't carry weight at all, right? They, they like glass is not a very it, it it is actually quite strong but it's also brittle and easy to 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 destroy yeah. and so the idea that you could have like a whole expanse of windows with floor to ceiling windows like that wasn't possible you know 120 years ago but it was possible 100 years ago uh, when this technology kind of came online and so the, what would allow that was pulling back the the load bearing part into a column behind the window right yeah. and then the window was not actually carrying any weight and so a little bit what I'm doing here is I'm I'm pulling out the functionality of making all of the, the unsigs into this one specific member, which is basically carrying the weight of making all the other members, right? So that mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like each one is doing its thing. It's it's like a functional design kind of style where the other unsigs contain the information they need to to be made, and this thing contains the whole factory because because you only need one factory, right? Yeah. You don't need 31,000 factories. And so let's have one factory, a bunch of different ingredients through the interaction of, of each other. They produce the entire collection, but that, that's a little bit well, what's going on there. Okay. So with these unsigs, I know you're doing them specifically on Cardano, but if mm-hmm. Ethereum's gas fees go down, if Binance Smart Chain um, fees go down and have NFTs, mm-hmm. other platforms have NFTs, for example, do you intend on introducing this project to other platforms or is it just going to be straight Cardano native? I mean, th- this prod, I- I've always said, I'm not a Cardano fanboy, like, but I- I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a strong believer in crypto. Like I've been around the space for a while and Cardano is very clearly like the best version of crypto that I have ever seen. Yeah, And so like, I'm not religious about this. I'm not like orthodox kind of dogmatic, like not a Cardano, maxi Cardano, on Cardano. It. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I, it's funny. I am a maxi on Cardano. I only hold Cardano. Uh, but when I of, say maxi, I think more it's a mindset rather than a yeah, wallet. Yeah. I, with the, the, exactly. I get, I get what you're saying. Like my wallet is actually full maxi, <laughs> but I, I, I'll, I'll say this. Like if, if I started to, what, what am I trying to say? I actually think it's a testament to the strength of Cardano is what I'm trying to say. Like I'm, I'm, I'm functionally, I, I'm very clearly all in in Cardano, but I don't have like a religious fervor for Cardano, right? Like yeah. if I saw something that was technically more superior, I'd switch to it. 
I personally don't think that's going to happen. And that's part of the reason why 100% of my portfolio is Cardano, right? Like I don't, yeah. I don't screw with Bitcoin. I don't mess around with Ethereum. So I don't, I don't know if that answers your question, but um, this project is kind of, I, I think of it not really as a business, but as an art project. Um, relating to kind of the stuff that I was talking about that were some of my interests about a medium. So I kind of think it's done in a way from one when one perspective, like I've done the thing, I put it out there. It's not really done because people are taking it in a bunch of different places. And like, it's beautiful to see something that you've made, like kind of come alive through other people's interests and yeah. intensity. But I would see no need if I ever did that, that's, that would be purely a cash grab and you should, you know, criticize me for it. Okay. I, I, I don't intend on like reminting unsigs on another chain. Like that would be, that would not be uh, conducive to the point or whatever. Um, and, and, and maybe in the subject of what's next, I have made this kind of tweet uh, a while back when it became clear that like, oh, I think it was when we closed out phase one, when somebody bought like 2000 unsigs in a couple hours. Wow. Right. Um, and like, I felt like, oh, I'm starting to see that this is possible, right? Like not, not to be like a total Matrix fan, but like I was starting to believe that the collection could, could you know, sell out. And even if it didn't yeah. sell out, like it had done well enough that I was like, wow, this is kind of incredible. Um, that I, I plan on doing something next, which is like going to be like, it's not going to be version, I call it version two, but it's not. It's like whatever, if, you, if, if an artist may, releases a collection in a gallery and then go release another con collection, like there's going to be some kind of similarity, maybe, maybe not between, you know, the first thing they did and the next thing they did. Yeah. But what, but what people need to understand is it's not Unsig's version two. It's not a sequel. I'm actually, I do watch Marvel movies just to turn my brain off, but like, I'm not a fan of like this, like never ending sequel of things yeah. that just goes on and on forever. Like I want to make Call something... of Duty effect where it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. or like, Fast and the Furious, like exactly. 30,119, right? Like uh, I want to make something different. It's going to be in a way, it, it's going to be similar because it's going to be like an on-chain art project, but I yeah. don't think it will visually necessarily look anything like Unsix, right? So, and the re and that will be basically given away for free to anyone who holds an Unsig. Okay. So I'm not going to sell them on my website. I'm or or, or on a website. Uh, there, I might I might either airdrop them, send them directly because that's going to cost a lot of ADA to send out thirty-one thousand NFTs, something yeah. like seventy thousand ADA. I probably am going to set up a smart contract or something like that where you send your unsig to it and you'll get back your original unsig and this new NFT with it. Um, you'll have to send like three or five ADA to cover the transaction costs like back and forth and, and yeah. that kind of thing. But um, that's that's kind of the idea that I have is that uh, that that second version is going to take advantage of smart contracts to be a little bit more dynamic. and. Yeah. Uh, Right now, all of the unsigns are static, but I want, I did originally the idea was things would like change over time and, and respond to different kinds of, of factors and, and be influenced by different kinds of environmental things. So that's kind of the, the complete vision. I put out a tweet on it and I, I, it's kind of like my way of saying thank you to everyone for supporting me and allowing yeah. me to, um, to quit my job and <clears throat> work on Cardano full time. So before I get into, this DeFi or other kind of space. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm working on this other like decentralized insurance thing, which is totally unrelated to, to unsigned algorithms. But um, before I do that, I, I kind of feel like I have a commitment to kind of fulfill that, that promise that I made to everyone. And so oh, yeah. that's, that's kind of what I'm doing. Okay. So in essence, 
it's more so you, we might see something similar to your art style, but you're not, as you said, selling out to a different chain doing the exact same project again. Like it would just, yeah. if we saw more artwork, it would be not the same, obviously, but it would have that same. It's like as it's an be, artist the would same have philosophy, this, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, so it's and, like an and, art style per se. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I a little bit throw up in my mouth when I hear the word style because as as architects, uh, yeah. like style is a very like. It's like I want something like that, and, and we we tend to think that when you make a, when you design a building, you should like look at everything that's around the environment and the, the 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 person, the people that will be using the building, and the client, which are two different people sometimes, and try to come up with like a good response to those factors, right? Yeah, it's kind of like I, I don't know in medicine, like diagnosing someone, right? Like you shouldn't just say like. Oh, you have a fever, so you get this, right? Like you should take a like a rigorous look at like what's going on and come up, you know, with a yeah. A, you have to look at all the factors right? before you yeah. decide what is treat what treatment is best for that exactly. patient. Exactly, because like and, and, what's yeah. good for patient A, like patient A, eighty year old on like eighteen mm -hmm. drugs, whereas you've got like a twenty two year old with a fever, you might instead yeah. go, dude, just like sleep it off, you'll be good. Like yeah. as opposed to, so yeah, no, I completely get that. It, 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 so yeah, in design, style tends to be like a foregone conclusion, like oh, we're gonna make a modern building, right? Like or we're gonna we're gonna make like this thing, and so we kind of think of style as like the absence of designer thinking, right? And so yeah. I'm just I'm triggered because I had a professor one time who's like. He, he was he was showing his work and some someone was like, oh, I see you have a very like whatever style. And he's like, I like to think that we don't have a style that we, you know, we bring our our, our brains to, to any problem and we try to come up with an appropriate solution to it. Right. So yeah. I know it, it's totally. It, yeah. In, in, in the casual or the vernacular way of using English. Yes. Yeah, style is appropriate. But like in this kind of art domain or, or, or design discipline like just for for my homies out there who are repping that kind of thing uh, i i gotta explain yeah yeah it's what, what i want is just like my version i don't want to have a style i want to think about things i want to come up with some kind of solution it's likely through my biases and kind of like background that there will be some kind of visual similarity between them because i do have my own kind of point of view and preference and that kind of thing but but the the, the goal at least on paper anyway is to kind of explode that style and 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 be open to like a totally different thing as as version two, right? Yeah. Um, or as the next again, it's not really version two. I call it version two because of like software development, you know, like the next <laughs> version yeah, of this V2, thing, whatever. But yeah. yeah, but it's it's not really a, a version. It's it's it should be its own thing. Now for a couple of more fun questions. Mm -hmm. We've gotten to know okay. you quite a bit, but to get to know your yeah. thoughts on these things. So who mm -hmm. is your favorite NFT artist? Oh, I don't know. I'm 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 not really into I have to be honest, I'm not really into NFTs, right? <laughs> like I I was I was I I had these conversations with Patrick on stream a few times where like he was the only person listening, but like neither of us really got NFTs. Um they didn't really make sense to us and to be honest, I'm I'm not really part of of the whole NFT scene per se, right? Like I I think and we've talked about this. I have to. This is a little sensitive subject matter, but um, I, I come from more like a traditional art background, you can say, right? Yeah. And and like for me, uh, you know, art is like the purest thing in the world. There, there's a few quotes like um, "art is a lie that reveals the truth" by Picasso, or yeah. or like uh, you know, like it's just, it's to me like art is something that's in this world but not of it. It's like a separate thing that is like like a very kind of transcendental or beyond 
more than the sum of its parts. And so like I I I really kind of draw a difference or not difference. Um I don't think everything is art. I don't think everything that is like a creative practice is art. Like, like you know, I like to watch. A, 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 I'll give you an example. I watch movies, but I also watch cinema. Like cinema to me is like the art form of movies. Yeah. Right. And I think most of the NFT world right now are, are more in the movie vein than in the art vein. And there's nothing wrong with that. I also like to watch movies. I also watch Marvel movies, right? But yeah. I also agree with Martin Scorsese when he talks about like the problem with Hollywood nowadays and, and you know, there's no kind of original vision and, and people just want to make, you know, pump, you know, uh, low risk budgets into known characters and this kind of thing. And I think that's a, a big problem for for what I love is uh, of cinema. And so, I don't know. I'm not trying to be like an elitist or, uh, you know, look down my nose at um, I haven't been aware so much. I when I came into NFTs, I had my kind of knee-jerk reaction, which was, I'm not so happy with it. It doesn't really make sense to me. What can I do that will kind of push the space forward? Right. Yeah. And so I basically tunnel dove into that, focused on that, made that. And then surprisingly, I didn't realize this. We released May 29th. I think I started working on it maybe a month or two before that. After that, I thought I was done. But for the for the past two months like promoting the sale and like being active on Twitter and on Discord yeah. has taken up like 10 times as much time as it did to actually program the thing, doing interviews, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And so I've been kind of oblivious. Um, I'll, I'll just add in, I don't know my favorite, but I, there, there's some people that I really like. Uh, there's this un- Aeonium Sky. He's very kind of ethereal and, and pastelish kind of a beautiful kind of uh, uh, things on, on Cardano that, that are quite nice. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm just trying to think. There's also this other interesting guy who's doing something similar to what I'm doing, uh, Turbo Egon, uh, with his Stellar Hood NFTs, which are even more on-chain than mine because mine are written in Python and you have basically like, I could say the sheet music to Unsigs is on-chain. Yeah. But in his version, like he's done it fully on-chain. Um, like just think, straight Plutus to do it? Uh, uh, he's doing JavaScript embedded oh, okay. in the thing, but because Pool PM is viewed in a, a browser, like it can mm-hmm. interpret the code there. I didn't do that because I'm not a front end developer. I don't know JavaScript. I don't know like how to make websites and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but he he's actually done a kind of interesting remix of of Unsigs using his technique, and I, I'm I'm a huge fan of that. So. I hope that's that's yeah, but but I, I I'm I'm excited to kind of like crash into this world and figure out what's going on now that I have some time. We just sold out, I think, on Friday. What is it? Tuesday today? Today's Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've 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 been trying to fulfill my promise to my wife that I would take a break from from all this online stuff. I've been doing a a little bit poor job of it, but but yeah, uh, I will have a better answer to your question, maybe a week or two from now or 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 more. But yeah. Aeonium okay. Sky, Turbo Egon, Stellar Hood. Awesome. Okay. Some of them are still going to be NFT related, but these mm-hmm. will probably be a little easier to answer. Okay. Okay. Um, what is the strangest NFT you have seen? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> the, the when, I, when I look strange, but <laughs> when I look in a lot of wallets, like to me, it reminds me of like my bedroom when I was in middle school or high school. <laughs> You know, like yeah. these posters up on the wall. And like, it's a very kind of, uh, again, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. But like, I, I feel like a almost juvenile or infantile kind of like, 
in, in Japan, we have these these uh, people who I maybe used to be part of, like otaku is the word. It's like yeah. people who collect action figures and like keep, you know, like that. That's a, like yeah. so for me, a lot of them are strange because. And and again, like I'm, I, I like childhood innocence. I like, I don't like, you know, jocks who make fun of nerds or kind of thing. I was definitely a nerd who got bullied, right? Like I'm, I'm yeah. fucking here, man. Like I'm obviously <laughs> a nerd, but yeah. but there is something about like not growing up, but like you know, like developing your interests. And I can, I, 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 I wish I had like a Godzilla thing on the wall or something like that. Like some some mementos of of my childhood or that like got me to where i am um yeah but i also think there's something about i don't know so so I'll, i'd say most nfts are pretty strange to me um but i think i think there's actually a few different things going on like and and it's not throwing shade at anything like there's there's these collectibles which are like you know ten thousand pokemon or whatever kind of boob yeah. come on i got it that's the weirdest nft <laughs> have you seen these? i've never even heard of it <laughs> It's it's a it's a parody of Pokemon, but there are are breasts on all of them uh, ah. with exposed nipples usually. Ah. And I can I can say that's pretty safely the weirdest. That, NFT that's pretty weird. Um, yeah. <laughs> um. But but so to get back to that, like those are like I, I don't know collectibles. Like and, and it's kind of like a Magic the the Gathering kind of like get a rare one, get a you know uh, this kind of thing. Yeah. And those are fine. Those are the thing. But like, I think people get confused. Like. What I tried to do was make an art project, right? Like, and it yeah. happens to be in NFTs, right? Even though it, it it couldn't exist except for NFTs because I'm like explicitly trying to play with, again, blockchain native art. Like, yeah. I don't think it's really related to a lot of the other NFT projects that have kind of come before it on, on the Cardano platform, at least, right? I, I've actually been interested in going through Ethereum. I found a few other projects that are a little bit similar. Um, to what I was doing, and, and Ethereum seems to have more of like a capital A art scene on it, you know, of like conceptual, whatever, um, what I would call like maybe interesting art kind of thing, yeah. huh? Make you think. But um, Cardano seems to be very heavily dominated by um, collectibles. Co- collectibles, right? And again, it's, yeah. it's fine. It's, it's nothing wrong with it. But but it's, it's it is it does get a little bit confusing because when we start talking about NFTs, people like lump all this stuff together. But there's actually a lot of different kinds of NFTs and maybe insurance NFTs in the future. Um, Do you think maybe the reason why Ethereum has more of that art style is because it's more expensive to make many of it? So whereas like making collectibles on Cardano is much cheaper. Yeah. You might only be able to make one artwork and try to make it unique enough that it sells. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it, it does kind of, I mean, there's this famous Marshall McLuhan um, quote, the medium is the message. Like you cannot take something out of the medium that it's in. Like he was talking about television and what television has done to society and like how, yeah. how like the, the sound bite or something like that. Like that's, that's the natural logical conclusion of television, right? Like that, you know, we used to have the, these, uh, these long form kind of things, but television is almost inherently about like five to 15 second sound bites. And so what, what I think what you're getting at is that th- these economic factors around minting an NFT go part and parcel with what kinds of expression do you find on them? Yeah. Right. And, and you can't, you can't take that out of it. Like, and, and I, I think it also has to do with it being around longer um, with, with NFTs not being available on Cardano until fairly recently, right through the metadata kind of thing. And a lot of people are just don't even know like what you can make NFTs on Cardano. They don't have smart contracts. How is that possible? 
right? Yeah. But actually, this is an advantage of Cardano. Like, I'm not a blockchain developer, right? But when I understand, I, I know what metadata is. I understand how to like design something like that. Um, and so the fact that I could make an NFT without having to learn Solidity or Plutus, like yeah. it vastly simplified the thing. Like I just need to understand basically like a JSON object, right? Like how to how to um, how a dictionary works. And if you understand how a dictionary works, you can make a NFT on Cardano, right? And that yeah. made it a lot simpler. Even though I mostly work in Python and I've been teaching myself Haskell, right? Like um, it's it was just uh, if we talk about simplicity and beauty again, like the fact that I didn't have to wrap it up in this like ERC twenty token and a smart contract and, and yeah. have all this other weird like it was just so much simpler to me that oh yeah I just you know curly brackets define the thing go <laughs> you know oh yeah and so I basically handed Patrick a JSON object a JSON file which had every single unsig in it and he hooked that up into a database and then you know set up an API so that when a certain NFT was bought it would be minted out and it was it was really simple and beautiful nice <clears throat> um have you looked at some of the gaming slash nft projects in the ecosystem and what are your thoughts we've talked with i don't player... game anymore <laughs> I, I dropped out of i dropped out of high school a few times because of everquest and oh, college wow. a few times because that. of uh because of uh world of warcraft and final fantasy 11 so Oof. like i have a very addictive personality just stay I away from to... the mmos man yeah just yeah away from yeah. the mmos <laughs> But but yeah, I mean, uh, I think Diablo three was the last thing I got. Like I I I I just grind. I like games are very addictive to me because when I get like confused in my life, I like to make progress. And when I'm not making progress, that kind of linear grind is such a therapeutic kind of like Dopamine I'm level release, one, yeah. I'm level two, you know. And then and then like okay, I'm in the end game. I'm making my build or whatever kind of like I get gaming. I like gaming. It's just not compatible with me. Like I get way to like i have four kids and a wife and i have a day job and i have other kind of creative things that i'd like to do maybe making games someday would be fun but like i i try to stay me me and games try to like give each other space (laughs) right uh, i've never done cocaine for that reason i have a feeling that like if i did i would be (laughs) i'd be gone fair enough (laughs) um uh, one question then is where do you see or do you hope to see NFTs or the or the NFT space going in the next two years? Yeah, I mean, so I think we've touched on it a little bit. It's actually slide, let's see, uh, 45 in the presentation I sent you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope it's a little bit about what this slide said. I'm just going to read it. The goal of, of the Unsigned Algorithm Project is related to your question. It, sa- it says, produce a collection of pieces which begin a conversation around what the potential for this medium is. So I really hope that like five years from now, like blockchain art is a thing or yeah. like art that is natively on the chain and that is like interrogating what, ideas about like, what does it mean to own something? Like, that's a very confusing thing to me. Like, why did people send me 58 a, a chunk, you know, all these times, like right click save as exists, right? Like, I know that yeah. like, it's not really the thing, right? Like you're buying a little a token which has these properties in it which you pass to this function and so that that was my answer to that but but i i mean it's a very interesting thing to me and especially when it starts to get into this like uh copies debate or whatever that that happened a little bit on twitter recently yeah um what does it mean to own something like these are like fundamental questions about society and blockchain that i think are quite interesting um and and i think you know art is something that kind of tells us a little bit about ourselves and about the societies that we live in 
And I think it's blockchain is for me like even more than AI uh, that I, the industry that I worked in until now or for a while. Like blockchain is much more exciting to me than AI because it, it fundamentally it's, it, it's it's almost hopeful and it, it it as Charles says pushes power to the edges, where AI yeah. is this kind of like centralizing like big data thing, right? Where like a few people know too much. Oh, because you need so much data to do it. Yeah. So it's, it's the same it's very as very big brothery. Oh yeah, it's I mean, similar it's, to it's literally it. 1984. We've put these Google devices all around our homes. They listen to us all the time, right? Like. That you remember? Did you read 1984 I, in middle school? I did. Or yeah, or George Orwell. I read that. Yeah, so and... The TV on the wall that like watched you, right? Like we've literally invited that into all of our houses, and it's getting smarter and smarter because it listens to us all the time, right? Like, oh yeah, it's it's so weird to me. And so blockchain is just blockchain is like my my like uh my Obi Wan Kenobi, right? Like yeah. my my last hope, <laughs> right? That that maybe there's going to be something that can uh can destabilize this this tenant this otherwise almost inevitable conclusion of 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 like this thing taking over everything so yeah oh no i understand that um so this has been super informative and i really hmm. appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today before we go how can listeners get involved with what you're doing or how can people best support you i think right now uh probably the discord which is uh maybe maybe you'll have a link to it if if uh, not it's also in my twitter profile bio um there's like 600 people that are very active in the community uh, on the Discord, which is kind of where the project exists now. Because like I, I don't, I have no financial benefit anymore. Like I, I normally a week ago I would have said go to unsigs.com, buy an unsig, right? Like, yeah. But like I don't have any more. They're all sold out, and so <laughs> it's it's really exciting to see where this can go in the future. Um, there's also a, for people who are interested in buying an unsig now, like you have to buy them from someone else, right? So. There, there's a new marketplace that came up, cnft.io. Um, be very careful when you're buying because there are uh, like uh, people who have cloned the collection basically under a different policy ID. So uh, I'll send a link to Conward and he can put a link maybe to the the cnft.io with our policy ID so you can be sure that if you are buying one. What I recommend is looking at the entire thing. If you filter and sort by price low to high, you can find some that are cheaper. Right. If you just want to be a yeah. part of it, be a part of the community and get in, like you don't have to spend thousands of ADA on one. Um, I think the, the lowest price right now is somewhere around 100 ADA for, for one. And uh, in, in phase three, they were 50 ADA for one. Uh, so, you, you know, it, it, I, I do believe in this idea of having a skin in the game. And I can understand, yeah. like, I think just having one could be fun right now. You know, I was very surprised the, the numbers that people bought. Like, we have a, there's a few whales who own like more than a thousand unsigs each. Oh, wow. Um, which is kind of insane. But I, I think it speaks a little bit to like, again, this Marvel versus museum culture, right? Like the people that got unsigs, they tended to be like pretty like intelligent, successful people and they had capital to deploy. And so when they saw what was available, they kind of like ate it all up. Right. And it was, yeah, it wasn't what I hoped for. It wasn't what I was anticipating, but like in retrospect, I kind of understand, Oh yeah. The number of people that go to like a museum of modern art is much less than the people that go to like a Spider-Man opening. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of, but, but also the people that go to the museum tend to have a little bit more cash on hand to, uh, to, to support the things that they're going for than, than the average museum goer or movie goer. So oh, of uh, course. I, I, I wasn't happy about that at all. It's, it's one of my things that I'm most kind of, uh, I wouldn't say upset about, but unha unpleased with maybe. Right. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked it to be more 
evenly distributed, but the, the, the drop was open for two months. People had time to get in, right? It's interesting yeah, now course. that it's sold out, like that's its own news story. And there's so many people joining the Discord now that are like, how do I get one? Oh my God, like, you know, I wish I could have mm-hmm. been part of it, right? And it was, it was like, it's, it's just interesting. Oh next, yeah. Next phase, so. We Thank we will so have oh no problem. We'll have all the links down below. On below mm-hmm. our visuals, you'll see a couple of links as well. You want to check those out. But again, thank you so much, Alex, for coming on. Thank you so much. It was fun, and I really appreciate your preparation and uh, and 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 time and effort in these questions. I'm really looking forward to to, to seeing this and hearing how stupid I sound. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cardano Convo Podcast. If you want an easy way to help us out, make sure to share this podcast. That way we can grow and create a better podcast for you guys. Also leave us a 5-star review, and if you have feedback on today's episode, tweet us at CardanoConvo, send your emails to CardanoConvo at gmail.com, or join the CardanoConvo Discord server and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Also make sure to check out our new podcast website on Crypto-Loops.com. We'd also like to thank our sponsors. First are our Patreons over on the Cardano Convo Patreon page. Their direct contributions help to make this podcast possible. By becoming a patron, you gain amazing benefits such as access to polls to help decide the content of upcoming episodes, early access to videos, roles and benefits within the Discord server, and so much more. Our second sponsor is Loops Pool. If you want to help out the podcast and are looking for a Cardano stake pool to delegate your ADA to, then think about delegating with Loops Pool. That's Loops, L-O-O-P-S. Again, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you in the next episode of the Cardano Convo.